When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a sporting capital Thursday night right around SEN. And get involved. one 736 736 The Harcourt's open line is open or the temper text 0499 736 736. Mitch Cleary about 15 minutes away. And I'm also going to give the... I want to hear from you the things you're most excited about for the next six or seven weeks of football. Last two weeks of our home and away season in the... What's always a magical month? What, what is the thing that you're really looking forward to? It might be about your own team. It might be neutral and the fact that your team's dead and buried when it comes to the AFL finals. But love to hear from you. one 736 736 Double passes to Field of Women to give away, which means not only are you supporting a wonderful cause, you get to see a good game and you get to go on the Hello Turf of the MCG, fieldswomen.org.au. If you can't be there, leave a message of support via a virtual place. And a Signet Boost Power Bank. A couple of them to give away as well. Let's get to Michael and Craig, you Michael, hello to you. Yeah, Cam, how are you? Good, man. Fire away. All right. Yeah, look, happy. It's been spoken about a bit, but I'm a happy Carlton supporter. I'm also a nervous Carlton supporter. Um, you know, obviously, eight wins in a row. I, you know, in my 30 years of you know existence, I've never seen a sort of play this kind of footy. You know, they're very connected. They're, you know, they're playing for each other. It's, it's something that you know, obviously, I've never seen, and probably a lot of comfortable have seen. But I am nervous. I'm really nervous about how they go. You know, we've got we've got some you know good players to come back. Mackay, mm-hmm. Kennedy, Chera, Walsh. Um, but you know, it's all good to you know have some sexy names on paper. But are they going to give you what? What the Fogarty's and the and the the Cottrell's and the Hollands and the and the lesser likes are they going to give them that pressure that connection that um, just that you know game that they're playing like um, I'm just really nervous that they're going to bring back some of the players you know straight back into finals if they make it of course and they're not going to have that touch you know like McGovern's been out for a few weeks Walsh has been out for a few weeks you know are they going to give you that same it is a good question, Michael. Harry Mackay straight in, no question at all. I think Chera and Walsh will be in straight in, no questions at all. But I, I think there are other players. Uh, Silvani's one. Now, how does he fit in? He's not in this weekend. Does he fit back in? You know, the, the two big ruckmen have been going pretty well, tag-teaming it at the moment. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting balancing act because your best football has been in the last six or seven weeks, there, there is no doubt. And, and every time you've been challenged and, you know, three weeks ago we sat on this show and everyone suggested Carlton hadn't played anyone. Then they beat a Collingwood team. And then they, of course, beat Melbourne last week in a, in a game that was a finals environment type game. So they've done everything right to give themselves an opportunity. But there's always that fine balancing act. And the depth is there. Hopefully Chera and Walsh, and McGovern are right to go in the next couple of weeks and make you even stronger. So uh, I think the nerves are normal, though, Michael. Uh, like anyone who breaks for Carlton or breaks for a team that has had their run of outs, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, going forward there's a little air of pessimism attached to the next couple of weeks, in particular to what happened last year. 
uh, and then into the finals. But I think you're in a in a good spot, even though there's question marks. But the question's over bringing good guys back, right? Chera is probably your best and fairest. Walsh is a jet, and Harry Mackay is a Coleman medalist. It just makes you even more dangerous inside 50. So right balance has to be found, but it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, it is. But what's the what's the um so one last thing? Yeah. What's the uh, the ruck? What's the ruck um that they're gonna decide on? Uh, uh, Michael Voss has said it a couple of times that Mark Pittman is in his is in his team. Like yeah. he, he's um he's in his best twenty two. Rates him really highly. He likes he likes Pittman and the Coning in the same team. Um, so I find it really hard to find a spot for Silvani. Um. Even even though he's, he, you know, before he got injured, he was probably in career best form, you know. So, there's Silvani McGovern, you know, yep, he's a good player, he's you know, a sexy name, but does he replace Kemp? Does he play, replace Marchbank? I find it hard to you say. Know. Kennedy, Kennedy, I think he might be unlucky. He might he might have to rely on some injuries. So, you know, it's just it's just I think it's just it's playing with fire. If you're gonna you know change the the lineup too much. Um, I think Walsh and Chera are probably the only two that I could, and obviously Mackay this week, that you can pencil in. Um, unfortunately, Paddy Dow, you know, he's probably the most unluckiest player mm. at the moment. He's in, he's in really good form. He he, has, he he can't he won't be in the side. Ed Cherno is a pretty um, simple one. So, other than probably Walsh and Chera and Mackay, you know, I don't think McGovern and, and like I said, and, and Kennedy and Slovenia are, are locks at all. I think I think and I understand 100% what you're saying. Uh, I think McGovern will come back in. I think McGovern, who had a really good first half for the year, of course, contract year always helps. An injury at a at a at, a, at an interesting time or a disappointing time for him. I think he will come back in. Outside of that, you are right because it's it's about guys and you know too often we talk about the bottom six players at a particular club and they're not deep and all the rest of it. Well, that has kind of gone away in the last sort of six or seven weeks for Carlton because essentially the players who might have been, you know, termed, you know, the bottom four or the bottom six of their, their 22 or 23, all of a sudden have stood up and are playing great football. Uh, I think you're right about Silvani. I, I think he'll be at another club next year and I think he'll absolutely be playing some footy next year and good footy. I just think the fact that Pittenate with that that deal and De Koning, of course, signing that two-year deal a couple of weeks ago means that Silvani is probably in no man's land from a position point of view. Uh, Michael, thank you. Good luck. Big game. James in Mulgrave. James, hello to you. G'day, mate. I'm just a big D supporter. Yep. And I saw the uh, the ins and outs, and I was um, I was a little bit shocked with like probably a lot of uh, supporters that Grundy was still in. Um, I have nothing against Grundy. I've actually, I really wanted it to work for him. Yep. Um, and this is a structured thing for the D's with two rounds to go. Um, finals around the corner. I went to the game last week and I just, I, I watched Grundy play. And to tell you the truth, my thoughts on it was, it, it's not about him kicking goals. The issue I feel was, as long as he's in the team, Gorn doesn't, step up in his role as a sole ruckman. I've always found he's done his best work when he works over the ruckman over four quarters and then lifts it up another notch. But it just seems that if Grundy's in there, Gorn just doesn't take that role and we're only two rounds to go. What are your thoughts on, like, Grundy, does he stay in the team now? If you're going to select him this week, is that, like, so- we should be kicking? 
just yeah. just firstly on Graham, I'm a big Brody Grundy guy, and I understand the conversation yeah. about it. I he's not still hasn't been finalised for tomorrow yet, so he still may be omitted uh, with 24 okay. hours, of course, playing on the Sunday. But uh, look, way I, way I see it, I, I agree that Brody Grundy hasn't played the football that he has played at Collingwood this particular year, and I also understand that Max Gorn last Saturday night didn't play the footy he'd probably played for the the previous month. I've been absolutely dead against the idea of Melbourne trading Brody Grundy because I think Max Gorn is fresh late in the year because Grundy has been there. And I also think it's a sum of all parts, right? I I get it's a frustration inside 50 for Melbourne, but there are many people who believe and many people who believe that Carlton are playing football that is up to winning a premiership. And last Saturday night, Grundy and Gorm played for a team that came oh so close to beating a team that everyone is telling everyone can win a flag. So they 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 beat Collingwood on King's birthday. Brody Grundy was in the team. Brody Grundy played when they lost to Port Adelaide in Adelaide by three points uh, when they had every opportunity and only fell a little bit short. Grundy isn't playing the football and the dominating way of which he was when he was at Collingwood at different times. But I also think Melbourne is a top four team when Gorn and Grundy are in the team, right? And there's no major forward line aspect that is belting the door down and, and kicking five or six goals in the twos. So they've got to be able to conjure up a way towards goals anyway. I, I, I feel that Grundy won't play uh, when the whips are cracking in a couple of weeks' time. But I also think that too often we are looking at individual stats and saying Grundy shouldn't be in the team, yet we fail to look at the fact that Melbourne have been a top four team all year when Brody Grundy's been there. Hope that answered your question, James, and I appreciate your call as always. I just, I just think if you're telling me that Carlton can win the premiership, then you have to be able to somewhat be able to say that Brody Grundy is part of a team that also can win the flag, and he's a role player in this particular team. Have they been able to work the role exactly? Probably not. In particular, when they got him, we thought, "Hang on, here we go. This is going to be nuts." The fact is that as we sit here, Melbourne are a top four team. They got two weeks to. Hold on to that spot. They came oh so close to beating Carlton last week. Uh, Petrucca touched on the line kick from 55 that may, in fact, have been a goal anyway, but it's beside the point. The fact is, if you think Carlton can win the flag, you think Melbourne can win it with Brody Grundy and Max Gorn both in the 22. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. Uh, I love this from Macca, who texted in earlier, and he's, he's, he's written back. He's hit the temper text and, and given his point of view, which I have no dramas with. I'm not going to read it out, Mackie, yet. I'm going to give you a buzz in around 20 minutes' time because you make some good points, and I love to be able to talk it out. I think too often at this particular station and in life, text messages, miscommunication, and it is toing and froing, and I don't want to sit and do that because, as you said, I'm boring at times earlier, and that would be boring. But I'm going to give you a call in around 20 minutes' time. We'll have a chat. Uh, just quickly, what about this conspiracy theory? This is from a Lions supporter in Point Cook. If you were Collingwood, who would you rather play in the grand final at the MCG, Melbourne or Brisbane? I think Fly is doing his old team a favour and his own team will benefit greatly. Well, I, 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 I don't believe that any coach right now who has a top four team would be trying to tweak things to help or hinder where someone might finish on the ladder, because I think that almost always comes back to haunt you. The fact about that is Collingwood have a two-game 
advantage on top. They have got some injury concerns. Darcy Moore, Degoe, Bobby Hill, the three of them, for people who may not know, still side bottom back in. So I, I think when you've got a little gap at the top of the AFL ladder, you can maybe rest or at least manage or not take a risk with a couple of your star players. I don't think he's changing things, and I absolutely would almost certainly say he's not thinking about that last Saturday in September. But conspiracy theories, there's many of them in sport. Always throw them in towards us on the temper text. A quick break. Mitch Cleary is next. one 736 736 Get involved. Number one Juno in the game. Channel 7 News' is own. Mitch Cleary joins us. Mitch, hello to you. Good evening, Cameron. Thanks for having me on. Mate, a weird text off the top. Someone said, can you ask Mitch how we win a table tennis today? Were you playing table tennis? I was playing table tennis, or I was in the, in the presence of table tennis uh, the other night when I was doing my podcast, Tradies, for those that haven't okay. caught it. But uh, no, I, maybe they've got me, uh, a, maybe a doppelganger around town today. <laughs> you only hope. Hey, let's start with uh, Chris Scott. You've just gone on Channel 7 News tonight and said he's on the verge of re-signing, which well, he's getting close to two decades at the helm. Incredible, isn't it? 2011, his first year at the helm, and he's only missed finals once since then, and now the Cats on the verge of maybe missing for the second time in his tenure at the club, but they've been talking for some time about extending him beyond his current deal, which expires at the end of 2024. Learned today that that's pretty well progressed now to the stage. They're just uh, dotting some I's and, and crossing some T's. So Chris Scott will soon enough put pen to paper on a deal until the end of 2026, Cam, which had you said that a few seasons mm. ago, you might have questioned whether he was going to last that long. But the Premiership bit of the rebirth of the list. You know, Selwood goes out. Hawkins probably into his last 12 months now, heading into next year. Um, you know, it's a, it's a regeneration. He's done it once before. Can he take the Cats to the promised land once again in that window? He is obviously a big part of, of how they go about their, their list regeneration almost each and every year, right? Like, and, and, like, even we look at it now and we're trying to break it down, even if they miss the eight or don't, if they if they win a final, whatever it might be, we're, we're trying to work out what they might do this year or in this off-season. But he's a big part of continually being able to do things outside the, the norm. So if he is there, it makes me think that Geelong have, one, got a couple of things lined up, or two, have a real belief that they're able to do some damage again next couple of years. I like your thinking in this space. And every Geelong player you speak of, they talk about Chris Scott and his mind of the game and, and how he's as sharp as ever. And even now, you know, what is it, 13, 14 years in now at Geelong, but he's still one of the best masters when it comes to tactics and backs against the wall. Even on the weekend, they got within eight points of Collingwood, probably outplayed in the second half, but they still had a chance to win that game at stages of the last quarter. The important thing when it comes to Geelong's list for me is that after everything they did at the end of last year, they went and got Ollie Henry, they went and got Tanner Bruin, who are going to be 10-year players for that footy club. Jack Bowes comes in, they get that pick seven as well for, for Jai Clark. They were actually able to keep their first-round pick for this year, so their mm. future pick last year heading into this year, which, depends on where they finish, could be anywhere from, what, eight to, eight to probably 12 or 14. So that's a really important pick if they're to get busy at the draft and the trade period this year, Geelong. So watch this space on that. Um, but Chris Scott said to be at the helm for a little longer. Speaking of coaches, this Adam Simpson thing continues to bubble along. Of course, Eddie McGuire last night on Channel 9's Footy Classified, suggesting that... Uh, there's meetings or the boards are sitting down. What, what do you make of it? It's been a, a disgusting year for West Coast. Although, you know, a week and a half ago, 
they had Essendon beat into the last 90 seconds at Marvel Stadium and there felt like a little bit of late-season momentum after a win uh, against North Melbourne. But then, of course, what happens? They get blown out by their, their arch rival. What, what can you tell us about Adam Simpson and his future? Yeah, all I know is that there is a board meeting in the next two weeks that will decide his future. Clearly, the loss in a derby of that nature, 100 points, the biggest ever loss in a derby, a Western derby, is not going to bode well for a coach who's now had five triple-figure losses in a single season. Not only, I think you have to go back years until that's happened. Even GWS in their first year had five. Gold Coast had three in their first year. So that shows where West Coast is at. And even with the least generation of their side at the moment, Hearn goes out, Chewy, and then Nick Nat in the, in the space of, what, three weeks, all, all retire. So it's only, in my opinion, only going to get worse before it gets better for the Eagles in terms of where their list is at. Now, there was a school of thought that, you know, putting in an untried coach or a new coach would only make matters worse. You know, you look at other coaches that have gone into, you know, the melting pot previously with a, with a list like that. And, you know, two years in of a typical three-year deal coaches get when they, they start, they're already under pressure. So maybe the thought was, well, Adam Simpson could go 12 more months, take a bit more heat off the list. You know, they're still going to be pretty poor next year. Um, but I think the tide has turned now with the West Coast board now contemplating sacking Adam Simpson, which you then get to the money side of things. Well, he's got a watertight contract. Mm. Unlike Brett Ratton last year at St Kilda, who, as an AFL-assisted club, St Kilda had the chance to pay him out six months of a two-year deal. Adam Simpson's 24 months owing on his contract is watertight. So it's the best part of, of $2 million they would owe him. Then whatever incurs off the back of that in terms of the, the soft cap tax that comes with it. If there's one club in the comp that's in a position to do that, it is West Coast. So it's decision time in the next two weeks for the board. I can't see anything happening before their game this weekend, but uh, it's a watch this space after the game against the Dogs on so, Sunday. So I'll put this to you. Uh, you reported last Friday night that Josh Carr had put his hand up and said uh, thanks but no thanks to applying or continuing the, the process at Richmond. Everybody started thinking succession plan. Ken Hinckley announced a couple of days ago and Port Adelaide have, have put it on the table that it's not a succession plan, even though that continues to be the whisper. I'll put it to you that Josh Carr feels, or has been in a conversation with someone from the West, that that West Coast Eagles job is actually possibly going to be up for grabs in the not-too-distant future, and he would be the number one guy. It's an interesting point. It is interesting, um, because the, the Richmond process, they had approached Josh Carr or made, made noise to his camp that, hey, you probably should throw your hat in the ring here. I think you're uh, a fair contender when it comes to the, the Richmond vacancy. The, the only part of what you just mentioned is is Josh Carr spent, obviously, time at Fremantle as a player yep. and then had bookended his career at the Power, where, where he won a flag as a player. He's just come out of Fremantle as an assistant coach. Um, so having moved four kids and his young family mm. from WA back to Adelaide, would he be in a position to do that? Well, I guess... Senior coaching jobs don't come up all that often, but having, you know, having him in that situation and Richmond up to his eyeballs in that job and then pulling out, it would be a surprise. But then again, maybe he's got more of an affinity with Perth than he does in the thought of living in Melbourne. So it is an interesting point. And of the coaches available, he's had state league success. He's been the who many believe has been a, one of the key parts, if not the key part, of Port Adelaide's revival this year. So. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be a man in demand and West Coast would be silly not to look at him if it, if it falls that way that they do part ways with Adam Simpson. Just on the Eagles, Harley Reid, or at least the number one pick. I feel that 
you know, too often we do this, but understandably why we talk about the number one pick most certainly being Harley Reid, although the only other guy that gets mentioned by people who know more about it than I is already heading to the Gold Coast Sun. So Harley Reid, number one pick. Where do you sit with West Coast and their position currently and what they are thinking they should do with it? I just look at what West Coast did last year. They had picked two and then decided to to split that for two WA kids, Elijah yep. Hewitt and Ruben Jindy. So they had the chance to go to the draft last year um, and take Sheetal or Wardwell after Cadman, you know, after that trade with the Giants. So I just look at that and think, yeah, Harley Reid's a country kid, so different to Sheetal and Wardwell, who are both Metro Victorians, uh, who are probably, you know, with the go-home factor, there's 10 clubs to pick from in or, or nine clubs to pick from in Metro Melbourne whereas Harley Reid's going to have to move wherever he gets taken. So there mm. is that factor. But even just the thought that the West Coast Eagles did it last year to split that one pick into two um, gives me thought that maybe they might do it again, given what's on the table with, you know, Daniel Curtin, who's seen as a top five pick. Um, they could, you know, could move back a couple of spots and, and still nab him. I heard, I think, Michael Ablett last week comparing him to Matthew Pavlich. And we know the success he had as, in his career in the West. So... I'm still in the camp of them trading that out. Happy to be proven wrong. I'd love to see Harley Reid go in there and just dominate a footy club and, and bring that footy club up on his own because he's capable of doing that. But I just think West Coast recent history suggests they might be thinking otherwise. I, I think a lot of it might actually depend on what happens with the Ben Mackay compensation pick because yeah. it's an interesting one. And, uh, of course, that special source that we don't know specifically what it is. I know that we have a sort of frame guideline around, you know, if it hits 800,000, it's a straight after your first round pick, whatever it might be. But if North Melbourne lose him and ends up being pick three, I could see West Coast saying, we'll give you pick one North and pick 19 for picks two and three. And then North Melbourne can put Harley Reid with Wardlaw and Sheasel and build not dissimilar to how Port Adelaide are doing it right now with, with Butters, Rosie and, and Horn Francis and West Coast go and get the, the two best West Australian kids at two and three, keeping in mind that three of the top 12 to 15 kids are already linked to the Gold Coast Suns through their academy. So it is a little bit of a different draft than what we've seen maybe in recent years. Yeah, I don't mind that. And, Gee, North Melbourne would be uh, pretty eager, you know, with that situation. Then you've got the other factor at North Melbourne of Riley Sanders, who's the kid from Tassie, starred for the Allies in the national championships, has in recent times um, had a, you know, an Indigenous um, scholarship granted at one of the schools here in Melbourne. I think Caulfield Grammar off the top of my head. Um, and then you get the situation where North Melbourne's currently lobbying behind the scenes with the AFL of whether they would be able to get access to him as well. So, gee, if you can throw Harley Reid plus, you know, Riley Sanders into the into the mix, uh, that would be uh, that would be some serious firepower for that club that, you know, I think it's tonight bracing for, to lose Ben Mackay. Mm. You know, Essendon in the mix, Port Adelaide, Sydney as well. I just think it's a matter of where. Uh, and I just look at that deal a few years ago, Cam, with Brisbane and Essendon that just fabricated a deal where, Joe Danaher got a three-year deal on good money to go to Brisbane. Essendon got a first-round compo pick. Uh, I could see something similar happening with with Ben Mackay and and, uh, North Melbourne getting an early pick. I think within the rules, if the AFL, they don't want to grant priority picks, and and we've seen all that before, and I understand when clubs ask for them, but I think within the rules, if North Melbourne and West Coast could get and greatly benefit from this off-season around Sanders, around the Ben Mackay thing, around Joe... 
high draft picks and they can get better or at least get kids in who can be developed into making them better quickly. I think it's a it's a win-win situation. Hey, just on the West Coast Eagles, Tom Barass, he, like, he's, yeah, it's, the news has come out that he's 100% committed to staying at the West Coast Eagles. Well, do you think they'd be... Oh, look, they want him because he's their reigning best and fairest player and he's absolutely a star, but he's also the guy that holds the most trade currency, really. Uh, would it have worked a bit more for the Eagles had he have said, I'm prepared to go to Sydney, like being rumoured? Potentially, but then you look at the back line with McGovern, there's not much else there, and McGovern mm. has barely played this year. So, And that's when, you know, if Mackay leaves North Melbourne, they're left pretty thin. I was interested to see on AFL.com.au yesterday... Sydney's list manager, Kinnear Beetson, say it was actually the Brass camp that approached them second time around this year. Having the Swans gone hard at Brass a couple of years ago, that foot fell flat. Then it was this time around, uh, they got a call from Barassa's manager, Nick Geishan, saying, hey, you should have a look at Tom again, you know, three or four years later. So mm. interesting now that he then decides to, to stay at the Eagles. I, I'm still not putting a line through it. I know that people might laugh at that thinking, oh, you know, there's been strong reports that he's staying. I haven't heard that out of Tom Brass's mouth yet. And it's still eight weeks between now and the end of the trade period. Dane Beams once said at a Brisbane Best and Ferris cam that, that he wanted to stay at the Lions and he gave an emotional speech. And then he requested a trade four days later and he was black, back wearing black and white. So I don't know. I never say never. Um, Tom Brass has changed his heart once. Can he change his heart again to go back to having his mind twisted by Sydney. Who knows? Lastly, before we let you go, Mitch Cleary, Channel 7 News, joins us, 7 AFL. Uh, the Tradies podcast, you can grab that. Him and Sam McClure uh, forever getting abusive calls from list managers of clubs, no doubt, on the back of that. It's good gear. Um, is, it, is it going to be an off-season or a, uh, an AFL trade period that is a little lower than we have seen in previous years. A lot of the free agents, I know Ben Mackay and Darcy Parrish is still out there, but they're very good footballers, but not legit superstars as we've seen in, in recent years. And there's always been something bubbling away. Do you think something is going to come out of nowhere and blow this whole thing apart? Or do you think we're set for a quite unusual off-season when it comes to trades in the free agency world? All I'd say is there will be one top 10 player at a comp right now that we haven't spoken about who will mm. get traded. That, that, I don't know who that is, and that's what our job is for the next eight weeks, but the last few years, Lockie Neal, Brody Grundy, there's just one. Adam Trelaw, the last few years, there's just been one, so I'm waiting to see who that is. In saying that, and speaking of Grundy, I'm expecting you know, still to watch this space and that. Does he keep his spot? Where does that you know, go heading into finals. Um, they've backed him in for now, but is he going to hold his spot heading into finals? That is the big watch for me. And with four years left on his contract and probably two or three years of that behind Max Gorn, is he prepared to waste or just sit idle for two years of his career? Um, you know, it'd be three clubs, Geelong, Sydney and Port Adelaide, not to mention a few others that would throw themselves in the kitchen sink at Brody Grundy. So I think there's still a bit to play out on that front plus a player or two that we probably haven't thought of and uh, that's what's going to spice it up. But in terms of the overall, like, you know, Miles Bergman stays, you know, Barras looks like he probably stays. Um, Cosie Pickett, we thought at the start of the year, might have been one to watch, he stays. So it feels like a few of these guys who could have moved to staying. Uh, not to, you know, that's not to think, though, that there might be one or two that we haven't spoken about still to come. Uh, a couple of ticks asking about the Bulldogs here. I think the Bulldogs have got the most interesting off-season of any club in the league. And I'm not talking about Luke Beveridge, who, of course, has continually spoken about in the last couple of weeks, but they've got, you know, Norton, English, 
Jamara Hagen and Bailey Smith all out of contract in 12 months' time. And they're four of their most important 10 players. And from a marketing point of view, you can argue that they could all ask for a million dollars per. And you don't want to get into that last year. Like, very rarely, Mitch, do we see teams with four high-profile best players actually out of contract in the same year. So uh, I think the Western Bulldogs offseason is going to be very interesting. Hey, uh, love your work, man. Always. Always. We'll talk soon. Good to catch up, Cam. Seven News. Mitch Cleary, the man. Quick break. In fact, he's about to be the number one man. I didn't want to embarrass him, but I'm assuming... Now that Tom Brown is uh, headed to what he sees as greener pastures, our man Mitch Cleary about to be number one at Channel 7. Quick break. What are you most looking forward to? It's on the other side of this. On a Thursday night, right across the SEN radio network via your local SEN station or the SEN app, it's a sporting capital. Temper text firing on up. Noah Cumberland to Hawthorne. I like where the Hawks are at. They and they are now, they are now feeling like a little more of a destination place as well. They're no doubt. It's a bit easier to be able to sell what they're they're doing in the off season. Surely, pick two and three is much more valuable than picks one and nineteen. I keep hearing North traded pick one for picks two and three last year. No, they didn't. That's a good. That's it. Look, firstly, um, Dazza. There is a continual misconception that they traded one player for two. They they most certainly did not, as you've pointed out. So um, it was, you know, it was a huge mega trade, really. I mean, Horn Francis was out and pick one was gone and all the rest of it. Cadman ended up going to the Giants, but it wasn't as simple as that. And I know you're saying surely pick two and three is much more valuable than picks one and 19, and there might have to be some toing and froing on the back of it, but it has to be able to fit the club. And I think Mitch spoke about it with the West Australian possible worry about to go home factor. Although if you look at what's happened the last sort of 20 odd years at both the Eagles and the Dockers, there's not a great deal of Melbourneian based kids who grew into be very good footballers who ended up putting their hand up and demanding a trade. Of course, Chris Judd is the highest profile of them, but by the time he put his hand up and said, I want to go home, he already had a, Premiership under his belt, so you could say that it was well and truly worth it. Um, it'll be very interesting in the very interesting. I still think the Western Bulldogs is the most interesting because they have got those four guys, those four major guys, out of contract in twelve months' time. They're not all. They're not all in free agency, but they're all out of contract. So you got to half make a decision. Off the text as well uh, from a Western Bulldogs fan, and there's a couple of them getting around. Uh, Dave, hi Cam, dog supporter. What is the problem with our club? Is it the players or the coach? I, I don't know, Dave. I, I don't know if they're as good as we thought they are. They are an outstanding get on a run team. Two thousand and I don't really like to talk about two thousand and sixteen because it is seven years ago. But two thousand and twenty one proved that when they play good footy, they really get going. They really get going, and they can. That's why they're a worry for teams who may have to play them at some point. Luke Beveridge takes a lot of grief as he takes a lot of pats on the back when things go right. I just think we've got to temper maybe where the list is at. Marcus Bonapalli is in the top two or three players in the game. We did see how important uh, Liberatore was. 
They were three goals in front, or at least they'd been dominant. He gets knocked out. The whole game changes. Hawthorne were by far the better team for the two and a half quarters that he was gone. Uh, they, they, they've had a crack at a flag. They brought in Rory Lobb. They're tall. Then they're too tall. Lobb gets dropped. Jamari Hagen's going in the right direction. Norton has his moments. There's a lot of frustration, as there is around a lot of clubs, where the Bulldogs seem to have a fair bit as well. Uh, Curtis says, how good was Terry Wallace the other day on SEN talking about Jack Revolt? Well, Plough, who is a great friend of the station and a great media performer for many a year after leaving coaching, um, absolutely brilliant in the way he does talk about it. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and, of course, being a big part of Jack Revolt early in his career. Uh, off the text, Chera. Yeah, I, I know Cherry is one of those guys, but you, you're, you're finding one player. My point is, very rarely do players get drafted, go to Western Australia, and I'm talking about the best players, Adam Chera fits in that, and says, I want to leave. It just hasn't happened a great deal, either the Eagles or the Dockers, over the last two decades. And I think that has to play a little bit into the fact of it as well. Will Horn Francis be a Brownlow medalist in his career, Cam? He's absolutely got the capabilities. I know Kane Corns has written another article today on The Age, so Fireball Friday tomorrow. I'm sure Kane will, will speak about him. He was outstanding last week. But um, he has absolutely has the traits to be a player who can contend for a Brownlow medal, no doubt. I think his kicking's got better as the year has gone on as well. As great as he was clearance early in the year, he sometimes let himself down with the pill, and I think that's actually better. And he's been struggling for more reports with a back injury that's finally starting to feel a bit better. And I think last week was the Port Adelaide we grew accustomed to earlier in the year. It was good to see. Um, look, Stu says, Hawks revolutionised the game in two years. Sam has said as much. Great clubs continue to be strong and win flags. It's from Stu. They've done everything right. They've been brilliant this year, Hawthorne. The way they play their football is the best about it. Dwayne Russell speaks a great deal about this and don't forget Midday Madness back tomorrow from midday, funnily enough. But the fact is that they play and they take the game on, which I think where AFL is scan- has sort of been slanted and skewed towards it in the last couple of years. Defensively, you've still got to be able to hold up in critical moments. But I think the game with the stand rule in particular, the play on rule from fullback and the way that the running game has come back into the AFL, there is no doubt that Hawthorne play that type of football. Now, when you maybe don't always have the cattle on the paddock, then it sometimes hurts you. They hurt them against St Kilda in that first quarter. They lost control of the game. St Kilda just ran them off the park. They were able to give themselves half a sniff, but by then the damage had been done. But they play a type of football that is, one, fun to watch, and two, sits a little bit on where the football stands today. Uh, Cam, did you mention Grundy to Sydney last week? I agree. Look, I, I did. Mitch Cleary just mentioned it then as well. The SCG would suit him. I just think if Melbourne are to give up Brody Grundy, and again, we spoke about it a lot last week, I think if they are to give up Brody Grundy, they need to be able to get a forward in. They need to be able to work out their forward line concerns to fill the 650k they're currently paying Brody Grundy because Max Gorn, injury, I know, but Brody Grundy helps keep Max Gorn fresh. And the Max Gorn we did see for a a month prior to last Saturday night, does not exist at his age for 24 weeks, 25, 28 weeks in a year. Just doesn't. 
Now, he did spend time on the sideline where Grundy played some good footy. I, I, I think we just... I'm a Grundy playing for Melbourne and it wouldn't... St- Melbourne can win the flag with Grundy playing. But, yes, there's no doubt Sydney would be a place that he would fit nicely. A couple of basketball questions coming in. I'll get to them in a moment. If you've got... I've got to give these prizes away. Benny out the back's on to me. So one three hundred seven three six. 736. We've had three double passes to the Field of Women game. This is this is a great cause. Melbourne v. Hawthorne, which is going to be a great game. Hawthorne. Hawthorne is going to be very good. And Melbourne need to be able to win. And they played a great game last Saturday night, a part of a great game at the MCG. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, you get to go out on the ground. It's Field of Women and helping people who have been struck by the tragedy of breast cancer or continually going through it, as a lot of women are. So if you can't be there in person, buy a virtual place and leave a message of support. Jump on fieldsofwomen.org.au or simply call 1-300-736-736. Let's have a chat. What are you most looking forward to? What are you most looking forward to in the next six or seven weeks? The last couple of home and away games and then into the finals. Give me a call. I'll throw you a double pass at Sunday's game or a Signet Boost Power Bank. They're worth 45 bucks. Phone, tablet and earbuds power 24-7. one 736 That's next. The Boomers are about 20 up on South Sedan at the half, so I'll get to that in a moment. Brad, I see your text. I'll get to that in a minute. Arlito's in Wollongong. Hello. Ali, how you doing? Ali, not Ali. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? No, What's going on? Not much. I want the Swans to get Brody Grundy. Two yeah. years past. It, it, it's he's the type of guy. That, there's been. It's an interesting year for Sydney. They look dead and buried. Now they're in the eight. They've got a huge game this weekend. If they beat Adelaide over there, then they'll probably make the eight. But it's yeah. a year that there has been plenty of good. Their backman has obviously struggled, but I think Grundy and the SCG and what he would give them in the middle of the ground might help. Exactly, because you remember last year when the Cats gave the Swans a flogging in the grand final? I, I, I do, yes. I cried my heart. I wanted the Swans to win that grand final, but we had injuries, Sam Reid. Now he's going to be gone, mm-hmm. but he's gone. Another player just retired. I think yeah, it was Pat McCartan or his brother, whatever you call that. Tom. One of his brothers, mm-hmm. Tom. That's going to free cash up for the Swans. We need not another old buddy, but one who's hungry to win the flag for the Swans. I, I, I want to put that cloud nine feeling, you can say. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think every single fan listening uh, is after that exact cloud nine feeling. It was a disappointing grand final day last year. I, I just think Sydney are, Sydney are one to watch as well. They, 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 do a, um, they do a wonderful job of being able to surprise us. Firstly, it was Kurt Tippett. Then it was Buddy Franklin. Uh, but now, Buddy did the one-year deal, so we're not sitting here thinking that there's a million dollars freed up, but they've always done a wonderful job of being able to get a marquee player. Now, you could argue they've got a couple already on their on their books, be it Isaac Heaney, Callum Mills. They've had interesting final years, I suppose. Um, I, I guess in that situation, it's always been traditionally a marquee forward. You go back, you know, Barry Hall, Tony Lockett, we're going back a long way. It doesn't feel like there's someone on the market in that particular case. But I think if you have a look at something like Errol Goulden's going to be an All-Australian, Heaney, Mills, they're young. And they just probably need to solidify where they're going in a key position player or two to go to that next level. Now, I say that. I say that on the back of the fact that they are legitimately a huge chance to still make finals this year, which seemed a little bit 
probably unlikely about six weeks ago. Papley's a star, huge, huge part of SEN and SEN track. Uh, Cam, when does Bailey Smith's contract end? It's Curtis at uh, 12 months' time. Uh, Cam, do you see a similar situation of Gorn and Grundy with Jackson and Darcy? If I were Fremantle, I'd put Darcy on the trade table. Darcy's a free agent in 12 months' time, so that's, again, a, an interesting situation. Luke Jackson's had an outstanding year. Uh, I wouldn't. I would hold on to Darcy. I, I just think if you've got Darcy and you've got Jackson, you're able to work. They're two very good footballers, young footballers. But it dep- if you can get, again, Fremantle's not dissimilar to Melbourne. They've got forward line issues. If they're able to get a key forward, like a legit, jet key forward, then maybe you think about it. But I just don't think you trade it because it hasn't worked in the first 15 or 16 games. Uh, Hawks will go for, will trade for a, a backman. You watch. Yeah, I think uh, Radigley's a big chance to end up at Hawthorne, actually. Uh, I think uh, Radigley's one that they've got their eye on. I think he would be a player that uh, would fit Hawthorne nicely. Now, Brad, off the text, wanted to talk a little bit about a basketball. The Boomers lead 51-29 over South Sudan. Uh, last night was disappointing. He goes, what happened last night? Now Landale going down. What's your view on the front court as we head into this World Cup? It, I haven't seen the Jock Landale incident. I've turned it on after it. I don't like the fact that there are reports he couldn't put any weight on it. And when you are going into a new NBA contract, as he is, then that's something that plays in the back of mind of the as well. It happens all around the world. All around the world. It's happened to Ben Simmons at different times. It happened to Luke Longley back in the day. You know, we're seeing it with Giannis Antetokounmpo. We're seeing it with Pazingas, both of these World Cups. Those guys are a little bit more money than Landale, but it's the same theory. I'm not saying we're thin on the in the front court, but it is interesting because we got beat around last night. We got bullied around inside. Now, it didn't help that we couldn't hit the ocean from the pier, but I think we'll be top four in the world still, but I am slight bit concerned in the international game if Landale doesn't get up. Rob says Adelaide will absolutely pop Sydney's bubble on Sunday. It's going to be a ripping contest. House of Ats is next.